1: Today, freedom is misunderstood because, well, most people today are not free. Join us, Abounding Grace, with Pastor Gary Wagner in Galatians 5, coming up next. You're not free until you've been set free by Christ, Christ alone. Hi there. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Today we're going to focus on the freedom in Christ, It can be found here in Galatians chapter 5. We invite you to spend time with us today as we take a look at the gospel and the freedom that it brings. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's program.
2: Today freedom is misunderstood, perverted, and abused. Because most people today are not free, and dare I say, most members of our churches are not free. And not to be free in Christ, not to be freed by Christ, is to remain in spiritual, mental, emotional, physical bondage to sin, death, Satan, the curse of the law, and the anger of God. Understanding the true nature of freedom is essential to understanding Christianity. But what is even more important is experiencing and possessing freedom in Christ personally, which is of the essence of being a Christian and a child of God. Because you are not free and your will is not free from slavery to sin until you have been set free by Christ alone. So let's look at our text. First of all, noticing the outline of this passage and then to continue our exposition of it. You see in verse 1, the purpose spelled out for Christ's redemptive work, and in there is an assertion and a command. He says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And we saw that that freedom is accomplished by Christ alone to grant us the assurance of salvation, our deliverance from sin, death, Satan, the curse of the law, and the anger of God. And to give us the empowerment of God's Spirit to live as a child of God in fellowship with Him. After making that assertion in verse 1, He gives us a command. In essence, do not let anyone rob you of your freedom. Then in verses 2 and 4, He gives us the reasons for making the command in verse 1, which we began looking at last week and will continue to look at this week and he gives us three reasons. Then in verses 5 through 6, he tells us what the life of a true believer enjoying Christian liberty looks like. In verses 7 through 9, he tells us some of the reasons why even true believers temporarily fail in living out their life for freedom. Then in verses 10 through 12, he tells us the reason why those who reject the gospel as false teachers or as professed Christians do so with such ease, and it is because of the stumbling block of the cross. Now, let's go back and continue what we began looking at last week in verses 2 through 4, and that is the reasons for the great emphasis that Paul makes on the fact that we must be firm and steadfast And resist all efforts to be robbed by any one of this freedom for which Christ has set us free. And he gives us three reasons. He says, Christ is of no benefit to you at all. If you dilute the gospel of grace with man's merit, man's achievement, and man's will. With Christ, it is all or nothing. Your faith must rest on Christ entirely and completely, or not at all. In verse 3, Paul says, You must resist all efforts to mix human merit with the gospel of grace, and therefore be robbed of freedom. Because if we mix the gospel of grace with anything in man, man's achievement or man's ability, then we are obligated to go all the way down that road. To remove the very thought of grace and be obligated to keep every detail of the law of God as a means of our salvation. And if that is the way you choose, then with the law it is all or nothing. Remember, cursed is everyone who does not abide by everything in the law of God. So if that is the course you're taking of human merit and human accomplishment, you can just forget grace. It is all or nothing, and cursed is everyone who does not obey all the details of the law of God. Now that brings us to verse 4, where Paul gives us the third reason for resisting any effort to compromise the freedom for which Christ has set us free. Verse 4. A verse that is the basis of a lot of false doctrines and cults and synthetic versions of Christianity. It is a verse that often causes Presbyterians and Baptists who share a similar view to have a lot of difficulty. And it says, you have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Now, let me make my point and then we'll get into the passage. He is saying, if you seek to be justified by law, when you seek to mix yourself and your own accomplishments, your, your own worth with the grace of God, then you have been severed from Christ and you have fallen from grace. You've lost your hold on grace and you have cut yourself off from any benefits of Christ. Now, the reason this verse has caused Presbyterians and some Baptists so much trouble is that it has the phrase, have fallen from grace. You have been severed from Christ. He is addressing people who he sees as Christians. And when you and I want to share with other people the fact that we are eternally secure in Christ, that having been saved, it is impossible for us to be lost, we unwisely say at times, in an abbreviated way, Well, you can't fall from grace. And if the person we're talking to is smart, and this guy's got to be pretty smart, he can cut us down at the knees by saying that flatly contradicts what the Bible says because in Galatians 5.4 it says that if you, and he is addressing people he perceives as Christians, if you are trying to be justified by law, that is, you believe in Christ, but you also have to do things to complete what Christ started and to make it effective in your life and to merit it and earn it some way or another, then you have cut yourself off from Christ and you have fallen from grace. Now, let's not miss the point that Paul is making. Because a Presbyterian, because as Presbyterians, it can be confusing for us. Because the point that he is making is this, if you try to mix faith with anything in man as the basis of your standing with God, then with that view, there is no grace in justification by the law. There is no union with Christ. There are no benefits from Christ's death for us to enjoy. There is no unmerited favor and forgiveness of sins and no removal of the curse of the law. You see, when you mix man, anything in yourself with the grace of God as the combined basis of your standing with God, then all you are left with is the condemnation of the law of God and the horrors of living and dying without Christ. So don't miss the point in trying to figure out how we are going to try and work this out with our Presbyterian doctrine. You think you're counting on your acceptance with God as being faithful in Christ and the things you do. You know, your strictness of religion, your repentance, your faithfulness to God, your prayers, your church attendance, your good works, or whatever else. But if you are trusting in Christ and anything else at all you get this condemnation of the law of God. Because such a view severs you from Christ. Remember, it is all or nothing. You rest upon Christ entirely, or you do not rest upon Him at all. Now the question is, is Paul here contradicting what he said elsewhere about our eternal security in Christ? Is he saying that it is possible for a true Christian who has been saved by God's grace, really and truly saved, to do something bad enough or believe something bad enough to be lost again, to lose that salvation after he once really possessed it and then die under the curse of Almighty God. Well, now in the answer to these questions, there are several things that we need to keep in mind. Number one, the Bible does not ever contradict itself. One very important teaching of the Word of God in understanding the Word of God is you cannot interpret the Bible in one place in such a way as to contradict what the Bible says elsewhere. After all, our God is not schizophrenic. He is a rational God, and so He will not ever contradict himself secondly the less clear passages of the bible must be interpreted by the more clear passages of the bible and cults do the exact opposite the cults and synthetic versions of christianity take passages of scripture that anyone has to admit are difficult passages and then try to squeeze the whole Bible of a size 10 foot into a size 4 shoe and make everything fit that obscure passage. Whereas the proper way to interpret Scripture is when you come across a difficult passage to always interpret it in the light of the clearer passages that are obvious in what they mean. And then there's a third thing to bear in mind, and that is the Bible is equivocally clear that once it has pleased God to call a person to himself in grace and saving power and to change that person's life, forgive him of his sins, and make him one of his children, it is absolutely impossible for that person ever to be lost again or to die unforgiven and unsaved. Paul teaches that in various places. So let's take a look at a few. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The point here is that Paul will not contradict himself. Whatever the passage means, we know he is not going to contradict what he said elsewhere. And it's not because we have confidence in Paul's abilities and his intelligence but because we have confidence in the one who inspired Paul, Paul to write the words, who is the Holy Spirit of God. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I will read verses 4 through 9. "'I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you in Christ Jesus.' that in everything you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, here you have a clear statement that says, not only has the Lord Jesus Christ equipped the church with everything spiritually that it needs to be an effective church, but it says the Lord Jesus Christ himself confirms these believers until the end. So that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again at the end of time, they will stand before him blameless. And not one of these, whom he has confirmed to the end, will ever be lost. Why? Because we are so faithful ourselves? No, because as believers we are not always faithful, right? It is because he is always faithful. So you see, there is a clear passage in Paul's epistles where Paul says, the Lord Jesus Christ has confirmed believers until the very end. When Christ comes, and they shall all stand before him without blame. Without blame, that is, saved because of the faithfulness of God. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Here you see Paul teaches the eternal security of the believer. Once God has forgiven a man's or a woman's or a young person's sins by grace through faith in Christ, that person will never go to hell. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. For I am confident of this, Paul, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Once God begins the work of grace in your heart, forgiving you of your sins, ridding you of sin's pollutions. He is not going to stop what he started until he is finished. So once he has begun a good work in you, with the new birth, he will continue to perfect and take the work of his to completion until the day Christ returns. So you see, Paul's confident. This isn't something he hopes for. He he doesn't cross his fingers and say, boy, I Man, I sure hope this is true. No, he is truly confident of this, that we are believers because Christ began a good work in us. If God hasn't begun a good work in us, of of grace in us, we can't be believers. He began a work of grace in us, and now he will keep on performing it until the day of Christ Jesus. And he is not going to stop. And nothing can stop him. Once God sets his hands to do something, if all the powers on earth and in hell try to stop him, it is impossible. Nothing can stop the hand of God from accomplishing what he has set out to do. So you see, whatever Paul means when he says, if you try to be justified by the law, you who profess faith in Christ... You've been severed from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Now, he's not going to contradict what he said elsewhere, and that is, we who are believers are eternally secure in the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of anything good in us, but because of the faithfulness of God. So then, what is Paul saying in Galatians 5, 4? Listen, whatever he is saying... We may not manipulate the text or read into it what we want it to say to support our own preconceived notions imposed on the text. We must always be honest with every verse in the Bible, and we must always try to understand them in their context, in the plain sense of the words, and in such a way as not to contradict what the Bible says elsewhere. So what is it saying? Galatians 5.4 is saying this. If you believe that the basis of your acceptance with God is your good character, your integrity, your obedience to God's law, your decision to follow Christ, your faith, or anything else in you, then you have lost your grasp on grace and repudiated the gospel of grace in Christ which is received by faith alone. And when you lose your grasp on the gospel of grace, you have severed yourself from God. Because the only way to God is by His revealed gospel of sheer grace in Christ. No matter how sincerely and intensely you believe any other gospel, you will never be saved by it if your gospel is that our acceptance with God is based upon God's grace and something in us my repentance my decision the exercise of my will my faith something in me my worth my merit what I have earned if that is your gospel it will not save you from hell even if you believe that gospel with all your heart. There is no other gospel but the gospel of sovereign grace and the regenerating power of God in Jesus Christ. The Arminian gospel has never saved anyone from hell. In fact, the Arminian gospel severs those who believe it from Christ. So you ask, what in the world is Arminian gospel? Let me just quickly give you a thumbnail sketch. Jacob Arminius was a man who lived in the 1600s, who stood against the entire Protestant world. And he came up with a gospel that rested on a doctrine of human decision and human merit and human achievement. And he said, in essence, that Jesus Christ did not actually save anyone from their sins when he died on the cross. He just made salvation possible for anyone who would complete the transaction and make it effective by the inherent faith that everyone as human beings can muster up. Now, that is an oversimplification, but nevertheless, that is it. Now, let me put it another way. The Arminian gospel says, Before God is able to save me, I must do something of my own free will in my own strength and do it in accordance with what God has commanded before He is able to save me from my sins. Beloved, that is to interject man into the gospel of God. We are saved through faith, and you must repent of your sins. You must put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ but that is not the basis of your salvation. Do you understand that? I hope your puny, little, pathetic faith is not what you are counting on to get you in with God throughout all eternity. Because that puny, little faith of yours is shot full of holes and it wavers and sometimes it is strong, but other times it is weak. And sometimes it is even barely apparent. But our salvation is based upon something far more certain and unwavering and eternal. And that is the accomplishments and the merits of the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, which never changes. Faith is simply the open outstretched hand that receives the salvation that Christ has accomplished for me. And Christ is the one who even enables me to reach out my hand. There is no merit. It is not that I, I, that I make it effective. Even the faith by which I embrace salvation is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I contribute nothing. I achieve nothing. I do nothing that is of worth or merit at all in the accomplishment of my standing with God. In spite of everything I am, in spite of my weak and puny faith and my weak and puny repentance and obedience, I stand saved before Almighty God because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, and not because of anything in me.
1: And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Dot org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408 866 5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408 5607 Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless.